The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. It will be a shouting match. That's what one top UK official thought about a meeting that could take place today between Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and the UK's Foreign Minister Lord David Cameron. Well, will that meeting take place and what can we expect? We're joined by the Deputy London Playbook Editor of Politico, Dan Bloom. Dan, good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, Do we expect a shouting match? Will they actually meet in any kind of bilateral? It's very uncertain at the moment. So David Cameron, our Foreign Secretary, is in Paraguay at the moment on his way to the G20. We think he's going to be at the G20 in Brazil tomorrow. And this is a a meeting of foreign ministers that Sergei Lavrov, the cantankerous foreign minister in Moscow, has said that he's going to attend. Uh, There's definitely, we think, not going to be a proper formal sit down because the last time that happened was between Cameron and our, uh, our prime minister ago, Liz Truss. Uh, sorry, it was between <laughs> Lavrov and Liz Truss, and it went not very well, shall we say. He tried to humiliate her. Uh, he sort of walked off and left her standing alone during the press conference. What we could have is a sort of bumping of heads where they meet on the sidelines of this meeting uh, and where not much is achieved at all. He states his position, he states his position, and they walk away from it with everyone just a bit more mm. bad tempered than they were before. Now, he must be privately very, very angry with the Russians because it's emerged that that the Russians really uh, did mess about with the Brexit referendum to the point that David Cameron lost it and then lost his job. All the focus now is is on Ukraine. Um, You don't hear David Cameron talking about Brexit on the world stage. I rather suspect that he would rather forget all about it, given what you've just described. Um, But what's interesting, really, is is it's not just about the UK's pressure on Russia, because there's sort of a recognition that whatever the UK says to Russia isn't going to change what Russia's doing. Um, The bigger focus, I think, is David Cameron's pressure on the UK's allies, which is He's doing pretty forcefully in a way that's raised some eyebrows, you know, back home and and over in Congress, where he wrote this article in The Hill last week comparing people who kind of hold out on funding for Ukraine to the appeasement of Hitler in the 1930s, uh, to which uh, one congresswoman told him, uh, kiss my proverbial. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say it on the radio. Um, So there's uh, this week, which has the anniversary of the second anniversary of the full invasion of Ukraine, uh, has uh, a lot of kind of events culminating in the UN Security Council at the end of this week, where uh, our foreign secretary is going to try and apply that pressure on allies to make sure they keep up the funding and the support for Ukraine. And that's almost the sort of more difficult battle uh, than talking to Russia. Yeah. Now, it's a problem in uh, an election year uh, for the, the Conservative Party as well as for uh, the presidency of the United States um, to to really make progress because everyone is holding their breath, wondering will will Trump make it? And and by the way, that uh, when he was talking about the appeasement, it it strikes us all that uh, what is going on is very much like a, appeasement on the part of Donald Trump. But uh, that Republican you mentioned, Marjorie Taylor Greene, when she told him that uh, you know, he frankly he can kiss my ass, I can say it. Um, <laughs> it 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 is you know to be insulted by Marjorie Taylor Greene would be a badge of honour in my view. <laughs> well, uh, David Cameron may well also see it that way. 
Um, but you make the point very well that uh, what everyone is talking about and thinking about, you know, in, in Britain, in foreign policy circles, is Donald Trump. And it's not just because he's made noises about, uh, you know, he said this stuff about anyone who doesn't pay properly into NATO, you know, Russia could uh, could attack them for all I care, etc. I paraphrase. It's more about the fact that he's so unpredictable. So there's one strain of thought that perhaps Donald Trump will come in, he'll see that Ukraine is holding up quite well, and he'll decide to back a winner and sort of... Uh, be a friend on the world stage, or he could come in and uh, decide to be very sort of cantankerous and say, I'm not giving this money away abroad. And it's that not knowing what his policy is, at the same time as potentially we could have a change of government here in the UK with uh, Keir Starmer, whose foreign policy is, you know, not wildly different to the um, Conservative government's foreign policy. There's no great change there. But there could be a real period of instability here. Now, uh, the question of where uh, Trump stands with Putin, I mean, uh, I don't know whether you saw his his tweet or whatever he calls it on Truth Social about uh, he compared himself to Navalny. He is a persecuted man, just like Alexei Navalny was, persecuted by the main political parties, uh, i.e. the Democrats in power. I mean, that's sort of bonkers stuff. But there are enough people prepared to believe the bunker stuff in the United States that could get him over the line. I must say I've not seen that post, um, but I'm not quite sure that that analogy quite stands up. <laughs> no, it does not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I think the, this is exactly the sort of thing that I'm talking about, is you can never quite tell what Donald Trump is going to say. And the one thing that's sort of diplomatic circles crave is predictability and stability and calm and by sort of throwing you know the last time Donald Trump was on the world stage four or five years ago we didn't have the same level of um, of warfare and instability as we've got uh, now in places obviously like Ukraine but also the Middle East and uh, you know an expansionist uh, China and um, Donald Trump coming back at this time there's a few kind of pointy heads in, in Whitehall thinking, you know, what are we going to do about this? What, uh, do we have to keep up our approach mm. uh, regardless of what the US say, despite the special relationship? So when, when uh, Lord David Cameron wrote that uh, piece for The Hill, um, did he have the blessing of, of Rishi Sunak? Because Cameron, having been dragged back from the wilderness and uh, deposited in the House of Lords, does not have to get re-elected. So is he, has he gone a bit rogue? on Rishi Sunak and indeed from anyone who might follow into number 10 in Rishi Sunak's footsteps. So we did ask around about that article comparing, um, you know, raising the, 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 the idea of appeasement. And what we were told is that uh, although people in Downing Street were aware of what he was writing, I couldn't quite get an answer on whether they actually signed it off in the sort of formal approval process. What allies of, of both Rishi Sunak and David Cameron insist is that he's not sort of gone rogue in the sense that he's adopting his own foreign policy. You know, technically what he's saying is all in line with British foreign policy, but he's choosing to be more muscular about it. And this kind of goes with the territory of him basically coming back as a former prime minister and having more leeway to meet higher level people, you know, heads of state rather than just foreign ministers, because they sort of see him as 
as the leader. It's like in the US when you're the president and you're the president for life. You know, they see it like that. Um, and he's he's also not got this problem that, oh, worrying about he might be reshuffled out of his job or lose his seat because he hasn't got a seat to lose, as you point out. And if the polls are correct, um, then potentially he's got six or eight months left as as foreign secretary. And then that's it. And, and you know, there's nothing really after that apart from a seat in the Lords. So uh, there is it does seem a little bit like a sense of there being nothing to lose and then just throwing everything at the wall. Yeah. And what what did you make of the trip to um, the Falklands or the Malvinas, depending on what your perspective is, at a time when Argentina is beginning to make noises about sovereignty again? Well, this has been a, a story that has gone back and forth and back and forth for many years um, since the war in the 80s. And uh, it sort of is a sign that uh, he's you know, sticking a hand up to the Argentinians and saying, hang on a minute, you know, don't you dare. Uh, whether it goes much further than that, I wouldn't be able to say, but it's, you know, the UK does do quite regular visits uh, to the Falklands, not usually at the foreign secretary level. It's usually yeah. a more, more junior and, and, person, and but just be- to sort of remind Argentina uh, don't mess with us. Yeah, it's interesting. Know. Anyway, he's in the neighbourhood, shall we say, Paraguay today, and of course, uh, Rio in Brazil. Uh, it'll be, you know, Sure, while I'm down here in South America, why don't I just drop in on the Falklands? Dan, thank you very much for joining us. Dan Bloom, Deputy London Playbook Editor with Politico. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.